Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, Amanda. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So how are you doing? I mean, as, as a member of the Jewish community... And seeing this, and I would say for all of us, I think, I'll be honest, Amanda, as a parent and seeing teenagers, I'm a mom of teenagers, you don't have to be part of, let's say you don't have to be Jewish yourself to to uh, have your heart, you know, skip some beats every single day as we see these parents making pleas uh, for the safe return of their teen and college age students. But tell us about what you're writing about. Let's start with that as far as the news today with learning that Hamas, for example, may have as many as 350 hostages. Yeah. So, um, you know, as a member of the Jewish community and as a mom, um, the whole thing really terrifies me. You know, we have friends and family in Israel and, you know, everyone's being affected. You know, if you talk to any Jew right now and you say, do you have family in Israel? They, they'll tell you, yes, I have 7 million brothers and sisters. Um, when it comes to things like this, the Jewish community, from Reform to Orthodox, you know, really unites as one. Um, and it's unfortunate that these are the circumstances in which we unite. But um, the Jewish people are very united in this, in that, you know, we just want to be left alone for the most part <laughs> and to live our lives. And unfortunately, the state of Israel is surrounded by, you know, the Muslim world. There's 22 countries that are Arab Muslim countries, and we have one teeny tiny little country that's, you know, basically half the size of New Jersey. Um, But, you know, according to that part of the world, that's too much. Um, And so, you know, it's very touch and go as far as, um, you know, how we're feeling. Um, There's good moments. There's hard moments. There's lots of tears, um, you know, it's, it's a scary situation, and it may, it's being made worse by seeing, you know, the protests right here in Philly um, constantly. You know, yeah. one of my colleagues, she lives in Rittenhouse Square, and, you know, she hasn't been able to go home recently in the last week because she's too afraid to simply walk around her neighborhood because there's constantly these pro-Hamas terrorist protests going on. And as a Jewish woman, that's not safe. And, you know, I worry about my kids. Um, You know, we live in the Westchester area school district and the district has yet to send an email to families, make a public statement condemning anything. Oh, you're kidding. No, they've they've made no acknowledgement of the situation. And, you know, Friday there was a global call for global jihad coming from Iran. And, you know, as a Jewish mom, like I know what that means. That doesn't mean that they just want to destroy Jews. They want to destroy the Western world and anyone who lives 
a secular non-Muslim life. And so I, I kept my kids home on Friday because there was no communication from the district to let me and the other Jewish families and, frankly, all of the families in the district to know that your kids are going to be safe because we have extra security. We're aware of the situation. We're keeping tabs on it. We've connected with local um, law enforcement. You know, there was no communication, no acknowledgement. So, you know, I I ended up taking the day off from work and keeping my kids home because, you know, unfortunately, as Jews, we're used to being threatened. I mean, I've dealt with anti-Semitism my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's just that the world is finally getting a glimpse into what we as Jews deal with on a regular basis. Yeah, and I think that's an important piece of this that, you know, we, we talked about this earlier on Kale and Company about the the level of uh, anti-Semitism. And there was, I think for, for, for us as Americans, we're always hopeful that it's on the decline. It's not. But this is fueled by a complicit media. And I don't think yeah. we've seen that at this level. It's fueled by complicit media, and it's fueled by the universities. Um, you know, we've known for a long time that universities are dangerous places for Jewish students. I mean, I went to Arizona State University, and I graduated in 2009. And even then, you know, we've had armed security at the Hillel and the Chabad house just to go to services. And even then, I was having the mezuzah ripped off my dorm room door and swastikas written on you know, certain things, you know, so the anti-Semitism has always been there. Um, I think that because as Jews, we're such a small population, it gets overlooked very easily. Um, so, you know, but again, like, this isn't just Jews that are in danger now. Yeah. It's the Western world. It is all of us. Yeah. And they are here. Whether the administration wants to admit it, these terrorists are here. We know how many are on the terrorist watch list that have gotten in, but what about the ones that are here and we just don't know about it? How many people are already here in our country just waiting for that call of it's go time? You know, the Western world is getting a small glimpse at to what Jews have lived through and the, you know, constant head on a swivel that we deal with on a regular basis. Yeah, it's so true. You know, I I just want to switch pivot a little bit and talk about you as well. And I think I think by the way, the fact that that you are in essence, you know, a minority woman, I saw that you that's how you had written about yourself as somebody who understands what it feels like and you've experienced and I'm so sad that you had to experience that in college, but that does give you another another layer of life experience that I think mm-hmm. is an important is something important for somebody to be to to have lived through and survived through on a school board because you can relate to others, even other members of the community that have experienced different types of discrimination or hate just because of who they are. And so yeah. I, w- I would say that makes you empathetic rather than apathetic to to differently, you know, whether it's differently abled people, because I know you're a full-time special education teacher, or whether mm-hmm. it's people of different ethnicities, uh, whether it's the, the color of their skin, their faith, etc., it does give you, I would imagine, right, an, a different a different aspect on life. Right. Yeah, you know, I grew up, I'm, I'm a Hispanic woman. I grew up in a border state in Arizona, um, you know, but I'm also Jewish, uh, you know, it, it sounds in the Northeast, it's an odd 
combination. But um, in the Southwest, it's not such an odd combination to have Hispanic Jews. But yeah, you know, growing up um, Hispanic in a border state, you know, there were challenges there. You know, I got, you know, made fun of for certain things on that. And, you know, being Jewish, growing up in an area that is not heavily populated with Jews, you know, I grew up um, in a neighborhood mostly of Mormons and Catholics. So, you know, we didn't have the high holidays off from school. I had to get excused absences so that I could go spend the day in synagogue with my family for the high holidays. Um, so I've kind of always spent my life as the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um but proud to be that, you know, I am yeah. who I am. I come from where I come from. And I instill that in my children, too, to never be embarrassed of who you are or where you come from, because you're here for a reason. And not everyone's going to like you. And that's OK, too, as long as you're a good person and you do good things and you treat people the way you want to be treated. That's what's important. I don't feel that me being a minority woman makes me better or less than in any way, I think it just gives me a different perspective and a different way of approaching certain situations given my background. Man, you know, I'm thinking the Democrats are looking at you and and I, you check a whole lot of boxes, <laughs> you know, and they're thinking, oh, she should be on our team. But you're a registered Republican, Amanda Yeah, Greenberg. you know, um, I left the Democrat Party years ago, um, mostly because of that, because, you know, as a minority woman, you're told, you're supposed to fit in a certain box and you're supposed to think a certain way. And when I didn't really think those certain ways or fit those certain boxes and wanted to branch out, you know, you get ridiculed, you get criticized, you know, you're, you're not falling in line well enough. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm my own person. I don't really identify with, Mm -hmm. you know, being told what to think and how I should vote and things like that. You know, I, I vote based on, um, you know, I don't, I don't always vote based on party lines, and I, I encourage other people to not do that as well. You know, really research who are the people running, what are their positions, what do they stand for? Um, you know, I, so yes, I have an R next to my name, but that doesn't mean that, you know, every time I fill in that bubble that it's an R behind that person's name too. Um, you know, because there's, you know, good Democrats and there's bad Republicans and vice versa, you know. So I really just hope that people on both sides and in the middle, you know, Mm -hmm. all the people in the middle really look into who's running for these school board seats, who's running for judges and sheriffs and things like that. Because, you know, I'm running, for example, with an awesome woman, Peggy Schmidt. She's a libertarian. So we don't have the same letters after our names, Mm -hmm. but we have the same goals in mind. And our goals are that we want academics to be at the forefront for our kids and all of the kids in our district. We want the kids, the families, and the teachers to be safe. You know, we might have a little bit of a different perspective on how to get there, but we have those shared common goals Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And I think that being from different political parties actually makes us a stronger team because we're willing to have those hard conversations because it's going to create better policy. Do you think that school board candidates should be like you? You're a mom with school-aged children in the school system. Because I've heard that debate. Partially, partially, yes. I think that there should be, you know, I think there should be a spectrum on a school board. I think there should be some people who've had kids that graduated and, you know, they have the perspective of how the schools used to be run and how it worked and how it didn't work. There should be people who are current parents of kids in the schools so they can see directly, immediately what's happening in the schools and how it's affecting their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there should, you know, be people who have business backgrounds, education backgrounds. 
because at the end of the day, school boards, you know, they have budgets. They have to operate a little bit like a business. You know, for example, there's another gentleman on our slate, Alain Oliver, and he's really good at running nonprofits. He's used to running, you know, these businesses with very small budgets and getting very big outcomes. So part of what I love about our team is that we all have these different backgrounds and perspectives, but we all come together with these common shared goals and we say, okay, you're really good with the numbers. We're going to work together on the numbers. I'm really good at the special education piece because I'm a special education teacher. Mm -hmm. I can really speak to that. You know, everyone has their strengths, but I think diversity of thought and diversity of background is really important Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, we want our kids to academically be able to compete on the world stage and we want them to be safe, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. These kids need to be safe and our teachers need to be safe. Amanda, and I should say, I should have said this in the introduction, you actually have a dual master's degree. I know you went to Arizona State, but you have a dual master's degree in elementary education and special education from locally from LaSalle University. And you've taught both public and private education. Um, so you've yeah. been, you've, you've actually, so you could empathize with educators, talk about special education and have empathy for that for, for kids who have, you know, different needs and are differently abled. But you also point out that you represent the largest minority group in your district there in Chester County, which is Hispanics. Yes, we have a very large Hispanic population in um, Westchester Area School District, and um, there's actually two Hispanics um, on the Back to Basics slate that are running for school board. The gentleman I mentioned earlier, Lion Oliver, he's a Cuban immigrant, and me as a Mexican-American, you know, we've got two Hispanics um, with the Back to Basics team, and again, like, not all Hispanics fit in the same box either. You know, he, he being a Cuban immigrant has yeah. his experiences and me being Mexican-American has different experiences. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, it all brings together this, you know, while representation of different minority groups is important, I think what's more important is the ideas that come to the table. We need a multitude of different ideas. You know, homogeny in any direction isn't good. Um, so we really are looking forward to getting a few new faces on the board to have some more diversity of thought and different uh, perspectives. They're going to create those hard conversations because, like I said, hard conversations and disagreements is what's going to come up with best policy. Yeah, you mentioned, for example, that there was not a statement um, about the safety last week with the day of jihad and, and so on. Do you think that as well when the when Chester County was sort of locked down by the escapee uh, from the local county prison there, and I know there have been public you know meetings and so on, do you think that was a uh, an eye opener as well for for the community to think about safety and think about the school's role? Absolutely, um, you know. The, the safety of our students and our teachers should be an absolute top priority. And, you know, the back to basic slate, we've been door knocking mm-hmm. since February. And I mean, we've knocked on thousands and thousands of doors and parents are telling us that that's one of their biggest concerns is their state is their child safety and the teacher safety. Because when you don't feel safe in school, that's what you're thinking about. You're not trying to learn. And as a teacher, if you don't feel safe in school, how are you going to best, teach, but also make your students feel safe if you don't feel safe. 
so, you know, the escapee was a perfect local example because that directed yeah. that directly affected our community. And now with this jihad stuff coming up, you know, it's on a bigger scale. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, people that we don't know what they look like. We don't know where they come from and we don't know when they're going to get, um, you know, the word from their upper mm-hmm. echelon telling them it's go time. So, you know, I think everyone's a little bit on edge and, you know, I would, I'm, still emailing and imploring the district to make a statement, make Mm -hmm. families know that they're on top of it and that they're going to make sure that their students and staff are safe. I know final question, Amanda Greenberg, who is uh, running for Chester County School Board as a candidate here, you've talked about transparency in the past and fiscal responsibility and accountability and as well the safety aspect um, other than okay. those, other than those, what do you think when you think of why you're running for school board and what is important that you want to focus on or change? What would you say? Um, well, you know, like I said, I've got my own kids are mm-hmm. in elementary school. I've got three kids at the elementary school level in the district and I want return on investment. I want to know that my tax dollars are working to the best of their ability to provide the best education, not only for my kids, but for all the kids in the district. And right now, that's not happening. You know, the budget keeps going up and the scores keep going down. I don't know of any other business model where that's an acceptable way of operating. So, you know, I think that needs to be at the forefront. I think the budget needs to be addressed. The, you know, where money is being spent needs to be addressed and the way in which we're teaching our needs to be addressed because having 25% of your eighth graders proficient in math is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, that's so true. Well, Amanda Greenberg, I hope you can come back, but thank you so much running for Westchester uh, school board there. Where can, where can people find you and find more information about you and support? You? Yeah. So people, so people can go to back to basics. That's the word two back to basics wc.com and they can find out all sorts of information about me they can find out information about the rest of the people on the slate they can email us there they can register to vote there and they can even request a mail-in ballot right there on the website perfect you got very efficient (laughs) well it's been a pleasure (laughs) it's a pleasure to meet you over the airwaves amanda greenberg thank you so much thank you so much don talk soon talk soon take care we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.